sound delay. Welcome back, guys. <laughs> so this is going to be part two part of Ouija. Two of Ouija where, spookiness. Yep. So last week you would have heard my episode, which is like just the basic history. Um, so go back and watch that or listen to that if you haven't already. And then this one's going to be Kyle. Yeah. A nice foundation. I feel like that was a good, like, now we know what a talking board is. Yeah. We're familiar with why. Well, you gave us a taste of why we wouldn't want to. I'm telling you, everybody can do their own involved thing. With them. But I'm going to, I'm going to just further drive that nail in the coffin okay. as to probably why you don't want to be fucking with a talking board. And um, we talked before we started this episode that there, this is this is this is a meaty episode, so there's no banter. We're just gonna jump right into it. <laughs> <We> do it. <laughs> um, okay, so I want to say this name to you, and I'm curious to know if it rings any bells. Okay. And I feel like all my episodes start like this. I'm just gonna make you guess shit. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, so if I said Ronald Edwin nope. Hunkler, nope. <laughs> you've never heard that name before. Uh, why would I have ever heard of Ronald Edwin Hunkler? Have you heard of Roland Doe? No. You've never heard of Roland Doe? Have you heard of Roland Doe before doing Absolutely. this research? For real? Yes. What is it? Is he a paranormal investigator? No. What if I framed it as the exorcism of Roland Doe? Ew. No. I'm Catholic. We don't do that. Roland Doe. <laughs> so Roland Doe was a pseudonym okay. for Ronald Edwin Hunkler. Okay. He was the adult child... Or no, not, not, not the adult child. He was the 14-year-old boy that The Exorcism was based off of. No way. They, that's a revival right now, too. They just yeah. came out with that again. Now it's like two of them. Woof. Right? <laughs> so, Ronald is born on June 1st in 1935 in Cottage City, Maryland. Okay. He's an only child and dependent on the adults in his life for entertainment. And he's particularly close with his aunt, Harriet, who's a spiritualist. Okay. Who also introduced Ronald to, Ronald to the Ouija board when he expressed Why are they all in Maryland? In I don't Why know. Why is everybody in Maryland? I don't know. But this is where they were. Okay. Uh, so he's an only child. He's kind of just like living his life. Nobody. He has like nobody else. No, no peers. No peers. So of he's course he wouldn't. He's vulnerable. He's relying in the adults in his life. Um, his Aunt Harriet is a spiritualist. So okay. the, his possession begins at the age of 14 in 1949, shortly after his Aunt Harriet passes. Hmm. Shout out on Harriet. So Ronald first reported hearing knocking and scratching sounds coming from behind his bedroom walls. <sighs> and then furniture would unexplainably move around him, sometimes tossing him from where he was sitting. And the family reported ordinary objects would sometimes float or levitate whenever Ronald was So nearby. is that like a poltergeist? So, <laughs> you know what's actually weird? Okay. In a lot of, like, these stories that I was looking for, yeah. that's the activity that you see. Of in course. A, in, in, like, when you open up a Ouija, like, a Ouija portal. Yeah. The number one thing that you're going to see, like, aside from, like, physical, like, manifestations on the person interacting with the board, is physical manifestations of things moving around. I hate it. A lot of furniture moving around, a lot yeah. of things being flown around of course. the room. Yeah, because like, it's yeah. like, they have to put like all their power into like a big thing to make it known. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. creepy. Mm-hmm. So a lot of poltergeist activities with these. So Ronald's family sought the help of numerous Jesuit priests. Jesuit? Ooh. What's that? So a Jesuit is a member of the Society of Jesus. So they're a Roman. Ca- it's a Roman Catholic religious order. Okay. Um, I literally I, I, I googled I googled their mission statement. Right? Oh great! Here we go. They are grounded in love for Christ and animated by the spiritual vision of their founder, Saint Ignatius of Loyola, to help others and seek God in all things. 
So that's, like, their mission statement. Shout out Jesuits. Yeah, so it's basically just, like, a religious sect within Catholicism. Sure so is. it's around this time that the media is reporting on demonic possession of an anonymous boy given the pseudonym Roland Doe. So it wasn't until, like, I was actually, re- like, do putting all the research on this together. Yeah. That I, like, realized how they came about that. So Roland okay. is just, they just scrambled up Ronald. And made it Roland. Why, though? Why, why would they change the name? Like, what's the... Um, because they didn't want to put this 14-year-old boy on blast. Okay, okay. Because they're to, like, to this, protect they're him. like, we're hoping that we can, like, this resolves itself and this boy can gotcha. lead a normal life. Okay. So they scramble the letters of his first name and they give him a John Doe last name. Roland okay. Doe. Okay. Right? Um, Creepy. <laughs> so it's already out in the media that, like, they're like, this kid, this, there's a, there's a possessed boy out there. Right? So people okay. know. I hate it. So the Jesuit priests, um, in the first, like, three months of his possession, perform over 20 ritual exorcisms. 20? And like you were talking about previously in our last episode, there's some doings for an exorcism. (laughs) You have to get a lot of permissions, even. And it's time-consuming. Like, it's not like a 30-minute ordeal. It's like a, we're doing this all day. 20? Over 20. Wow. Ready? That is a demon if I ever did hear right, one. Right, right. <laughs> well, I mean, this is the this is the story that that True. that inspired the exorcist. So, yuck. Yeah. So one of the early ex- exorcisms was given at Georgetown University Hospital, a Jesuit institution. Did you know that Georgetown Un- I did not know that. Um, where Ronald is said to have slipped his hand from the restraints. Yes. This is one of the this is one of the early exorcisms. Okay. Um reaches into the mattress, breaks off a bedspring, and slashes one of the priest's arms. Immediately halting. They're like, okay, we gotta stop. Like, Clearly! Like, cut him bad. Like, cut him bad. Wow. So they continue to attempt to exercise. They're just like, okay, well, we'll try another exorcism. Gross. Um, furniture is said to have moved about the room. And in one instance, a relic of St. Margaret Mary is tossed to the ground, um, which seems to really, like, send Ronald into, like, a... Tizzy. He freaks the fuck out of this. Of course. Um, it's at this time that Ronald is moved to St. Louis. Okay. They're like, we got to get him out of Maryland. Why? <laughs> you think moving him is going to help you? Like, what does that even mean? Right. Whatever's possessing Ronald, though, seemed to be like, let's fucking go. <laughs> because the word Louis appeared etched in his skin in deep red scratches. And when there was a question as to when they should leave... The word Saturday appeared as if carved into his hip. No way. And these are like cuts. These are what? like. Yeah. And he, he was restrained, you said? Finally, when, thank you. Yep. Good, good catch. Okay. So finally, when unsure of the length of time that Ronald should spend in St. Louis, the phrase three and a half weeks. What? Was scratched into the boy's chest. Ew. <laughs> this would occur without movement from Ronald. Keep in mind, he's often restrained. Okay. So, like, this is just, like, these scratches are just, like, popping up. So, on March 21st, 1949, Ronald is admitted into the Alexian Brothers Hospital in St. Louis. Okay. One month after being admitted, he breaks into a violent tantrum, screaming, cursing, and speaking in tongues. As the Jesuit priests allegedly attempt again to remove the demon. (laughs) Okay. So, during the final ritual exorcism, the words evil and hell, along with various other marks, appeared on the boy's body. Mm-mm. During the litany of the saints portion of the ritual, his mattress began to shake. And at one point, Ronald breaks a priest's nose. Oh. So, he's just fucking these priests up. Why did they not have them restrained? Like, 
I think it's a combination okay. of like he's restrained most of the time, but then I'm and sure then there's parts where it. he's like, sure. or he's like thrashing so fucking hard yeah. that they're like, okay, let Not him go. Me. Like, yeah. Um, so finally, on August 20th, 1949, Washington Post reporter Bill Brinkley publishes a statement by the Catholic Church announcing that a young boy has been freed from possession by the devil. Hmm. So it took a good, from March to August, he's possessed. Well, I wonder what made them, like, say that it was over. I think they, like, I from everything that I was reading, like, he, like, would have these moments of lucidity, but okay. then he would, like, also have these, like, I'm freaking the fuck out. So of I think course. he like I think the periods of lucidity just became longer. Okay. You know what I mean? Like and then he was just fully lucid. Okay. Um because he went on to live a normal life. Like this was it. Like he had this like p- the period of possession. Um and in in his adult life, Ronald went on to work at NASA. No way. He was a NASA engineer. His work contributed to the Apollo space missions in the 60s, and he patented a technology that helped space shuttle panels withstand heat that they still use. Wow. Yeah. That's amazing. So imagine if they didn't, like, conceal his identity. Oh, true. Because nobody knew his real name until he died. Wow. Um, So on May 10th, uh, 2020, Ronald Edwin Hunkler died of a stroke shortly before his 86th birthday. Aww. And that's when his name became public. Okay. Um, good for Ronald um, at the time of his passing. Now, the article that I found that referenced this mm-hmm. st- um, classified her as his 29-year-old companion. Ooh. So we'll do with that information what we will. Um, so she states that he dreaded Halloween every weekend or every, every year. I bet. Every year he was like really afraid of Halloween. Yeah. Not that anything would happen. But the veil is then. No, he was afraid that people would know, know who he was. He was afraid that people would come to his house and harass him and say that he was making things up and that he uh. didn't really go through what he went through. So he did not spend a single Halloween at home. He would always be out of town. He would always arrange to be away from his house. That poor Because he guy. was so afraid that somebody would know who he really was and come harass him. That's devastating. So that's why he feared Halloween every year. Not for any, like, spiritual or, like, woo-woo. Like, he just... People are fucking terrible. And that's he, devastating. Yeah. So I want to close out... Um, and I know probably people are like, why did you just cover a possession story? On the, I'm going to go back to the, the beginning of our story. Yep. It's all believed to have come about from... A Ouija board given to him by his aunt Harriet, and after she passed, he tried he to get. Wanted him... to talk to her. Yeah, so it's believed that I'm he opened saying... up a line of communication with something. Which and you had said right because you'll hear in the previous thing if you set the right intention, but he clearly had the right intention. He wanted you to talk. You just to wanted to talk to Harriet, his loved aunt, and yep. you never know. Yep. What and those else. are the tools that she gave him. And he was long, I mean, he was vulnerable because was he his, missed his aunt. Yeah, he's 14 and, you know, he doesn't have any other peers. That was his quote unquote peer. Man. That was who he was like, that That's was his entertainment. so sad. Yeah. So I want to close out Ronald's story with um, a statement made by his companion. Okay. Um, so his companion states that shortly before his death, a Catholic priest showed up at their house to perform his last rites. She stated, I have no idea how the father knew to come, but he got Ron to heaven. Oh. Isn't that weird? Wow. That's wild. Like, ran, like yeah. it, he just showed up, like, shortly before his death and, like, performed his last rites and then, like, soon, soon. And nobody had died. called him. He just showed up. He just showed up. Creepy. Isn't that weird? Isn't that a good one? That's 
also like a premonition, right? But they mm-hmm. don't believe in that anyway. Priests don't believe in premonitions. So, weird. Weird. Right? Weird. Right? Weird. Right? Hmm. So, if you didn't want to use a Ouija board... Yeah. Now you probably really don't want to use one. I definitely don't. I can tell you that right now. So, the second story that I'm going to talk about is um, a very uh, infamous case. Okay. So I figured this would be a good because I don't want to do I don't want to do a whole episode on this one just because like it's just one of those like it's just done to death. There's so much stuff out there about this if you guys want to read more about it. Um, but what's interesting about it is the connection. So just come along for the ride. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Have you ever heard of the Enfield Poltergeist or the Enfield Haunting? Is this the one that was from the movie The Poltergeist? Like what they related it to? Um, I don't Was it a girl? think so, because this takes place in England. Oh, then no. Nope. We've had a lot of England today. Yeah. Interesting. No. Um, so this one is notorious in, like, the paranormal, because, like, the activity in this house was supposed to be, like, banana pants. What, okay. When was the time frame? Uh, 1977. So were the Warrens there? I don't know. Were they active in England? I don't know, but they were active then, so I wonder if they... I'm sure I they traveled. I feel like they were... Because is this the one that The Conjuring 2 is based on? Oh, okay. I think so. Ooh, okay. Um, God don't quote I me on that. Seen it, so. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so in August 1977, Peggy Hodgson, a single mother and her four children, Margaret, Janet, Johnny, and Billy, were allegedly harassed by paranormal activity for 18 months. So the family lived at 284 Green Street in Enfield, England. And please, like I said, keep in mind we're along for the ride. I'm going to tie it all back together. No problem. So they were said to be played by moving furniture, strange noises, levitating objects, disembodied voices, and shadow figures. Oof. 11-year-old Janet Hodgson seemed to be the focal point. She would levitate in her bed. One time, multiple family members witnessed her levitate silently across the room while she slept. Could you imagine just, like, you're sitting in the room and then you're, like, you're... Your, like, sibling or whatever just, like, levitates Absolutely out of the Absolutely And then floats, not. A, like, not just up and down, but then just floats across the room. 100% no. Right. Um, and oftentimes <laughs> would speak in a gruff, rasping male voice much more mature than her 11-year-old body would be capable of producing. For one experiment, investigators had Janet lay down with a mouthful of water and the voice still manifested. So they had her lay down, they poured water in her mouth, she's sitting there with a pool full of uh, like, to, like, water. To, prove it. Yeah, and, like, this voice is still coming out of her. Ew. Yeah. <laughs> so, and the voice is believed to belong to Bill Wilkins, a former tenant of the family's home. Oh. Yeah. So not bad? Not bad. Um, and it also, what lended a little bit of credence, Bill's son, actually, when he caught wind of this, yeah. came to the house. What? And was like... Let me talk to my dad. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that was only mentioned. I couldn't see... I couldn't, Put some water in her I mouth. couldn't find anything <laughs> that, like... But that seemed to, like... That's horrible. Corroborate that, like, they think that that's really... That really was Bill Wilkins' voice. Maybe they figured he would know. Yeah. Okay. Um, so paranormal investigators came to document the activity and reportedly endure, endured a maelstrom of poltergeist activity as furniture was frequently hurled at them. And in one instance, they they came upon one of the children screaming, I can't move, it's holding my leg, and had to wrestle them from what was described as invisible hands. Ew. So could you imagine just, like, hanging out of this no. house? Like, just, like... No. And all of a sudden you just hear this kid screaming, Help me! No. <laughs> That's why I don't like children. <laughs> One reason. <laughs> um, so Janet has since stated, I felt used by a force that nobody understands. I really don't like to think about it too much. I'm not sure that the poltergeist was truly, quote unquote, evil. Mm-hmm. It was almost as if I wanted, to, it, it was almost as if it wanted to be part of our family. It didn't want to hurt us. It had died there and wanted to be at rest. The only way it could communicate was through me. 
So she was the talking board. Um, she also admits to, on occasion, faking some of the paranormal activity with her siblings to see if the investigators could be fooled. Wow, that's smart. She claims they always caught on and the kids were never able to fool the investigators. Smart. As an adult, people have asked her, like, how much of it did you fake? And she was like, maybe, like, a handful of incidents. Like, it, like we, like, Just to see. don't think that I, like, faked this whole thing. Like, we were skeptical, too, and we wanted to see if we could get one over on the investigators. Did they? And every time we couldn't. They, they knew that we were the ones doing it. Wow. So that's really interesting, right? Okay. So, uh, as an adult, Janet has admitted that just prior to the major flare in paranormal activity, mm-hmm. her and her sister had used a Ouija board to attempt to contact whatever had been making the initial scratching sounds heard by the Bill? family. Yeah. So at first, all they heard was just like Ronald. They just heard scratching sounds. And then they were like... We should talk to it. I heard scratching sounds yesterday when I was taking that Daisy out, and I heard it upstairs, and I was like, absolutely not. We're going to hope that it's, like, some kind of animal or something. <laughs> Let's hope also not that. <laughs> <laughs> literally, literally. Um, so, in autumn of 1978, a priest visited the home and seemed to quell whatever was affecting the house. Uh, Peggy continued to live in the home until her death in 2003, where she claimed to still hear voices and would often report feeling watched. Hmm. So... The priest came in and quells, like, the furniture being thrown around. But Peggy's yeah. like, mm, there's, something, oh, there's something here. Yeah. Um, so current residents have not reported any, any have not reported any audio or visual apparitions. However, some still note the, the feeling of a presence or that they're never quite alone. Yeah. A lot of people will say, like, if they've ever dealt with, like, a possession of some kind, mm-hmm. that it never leaves them. Well, I've heard that, too, about people, like, um, houses where they are attributing, like, they're attributing the haunting in the house to, like, a, a Ouija board use. Mm-hmm. Like, maybe it wasn't haunted, like, or there wasn't activity before this week. Like, yep. like maybe a, a portal was open for stuff to then come through. Yep. That once that portal's opened... It's really fucking hard to close it. And, like, even if you are closing it, something probably still has a foot in the door. Gross. So, just something to be aware of. Um, So, I know both of those stories are kind of, like... You covered... You talked about a lot of things that weren't Ouija, but both of those came about... Related, yeah. Yeah, from... Both of those people cite... Ouija board use as the kick-up of the that, that the flare and the paranormal. I'm saying. So am I so, going to be haunted someday because I make them? Probably. Maybe. Possibly. Um, so I want to talk about Zozo. Have you ever heard of Zozo? No. You ever heard of Zozo? You blow my so mind Zozo, Zozo went big on TikTok. Um, just as like a, what is this? Have you ever heard of Zozo? You may have been in contact with Zozo. No. So Zozo is apparently contact or su- or contacted or summoned when a Ouija board is used incorrectly. Okay. So a lot of people think that Zozo is like a creepypasta that he came, he's like, he was invented with the internet. That like, because oh. that's where his story has been proliferated. Because like we've talked about previously, what's the modern day campfire? Where am I going to go to spend, to, to tell my story? The fucking internet. Yeah. So um, a lot of people think that he's just like a, you know, he, he came with the dawn of the internet. He's not a real thing. Okay. He's kind of just like a creepypasta. Somebody made him up. Okay. Accounts date back to 1816. Wow. Of Holy cow. Um, so a French girl claims to have been possessed by three different demons. Maybe. Crapulet. <laughs> and Zozo. I don't know how else you would pronounce that. You know what? We should have named the podcast Crapulet. I'm thinking. Really? That's a great name. So I don't know what happened to Mimi or Crapulet. (laughs) (laughs) Zozo was like, I am here to stay. So she reportedly would walk on all fours, forwards and backwards. No. (laughs) No. 
And she would walk on her hands with her feet in the air. So no. she was going to do, like, a, a handstand. Absolutely like, that's how she not. Would, like, and she would, like, fast. Of course, because yeah. they always are. Because she's, she's, she's possessed. Because it's demonic. Literally. Um, so she's eventually exercised, and the case is well-documented, if you guys want to read about it, in Jacques-Colleen de Plancy's Infernal Dictionary, oh, which wow. I kind of want to get a, a, This Infernal Dictionary, that sounds... I'm looking it up right kinda now. Kind of dope, right? Infernal Dictionary. By Jacques-Colleen de Plancy. Right? Okay. Yep. So other infamous paranormal cases often attributed often attributed to Zozo are the Roland Doe possession case of 1949. Really? And, and the Enfield poltergeist. Let me tell you, this um this infernal dictionary uh-huh. is hella expensive. Well, I don't want a first edition. Well, it's not. This is a reproduction of a hard copy, but it's... Why is it? Like, because it's like a thousand pages or something? Yeah, well, like, this is the actual, like, the, from his page, right? Like, mm-hmm. so, but, yeah, I mean, it's $199. Holy crap. This is for real, for reals. I get it. Right. I bet there's some cool shit in there. there. He also did the Dictionary of Witchcraft. Oh, cool. And then he also has a spinoff of his own Infernal Dictionary, Devils, Gods, and Spirits. I want that Infernal Dictionary. Okay. Wow. You better manifest Patreon that. subscribers. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, if you want to donate to our Amazon shopping list. We have an list. Amazon watch list soon. <laughs> yeah. Um, so did you catch that? Yeah. Those two, the two cases that I um, just did are attributed to our, like, people, yeah, they're like, well, that's probably Zozo. Wow. Crazy, right? That's why I did those two first. So signs of Zozo's presence. Okay. Repeatedly moving the planchette from Z to O. It'll so, just go so, back and so, forth. So, so, It'll so. just go back and forth between mm-hmm. Z and O. Okay. Fast, rapid, quick. Gross. That would freak me the fuck out. I and it does it on its own too, which I absolutely could never. Um, the planchette moving in a figure eight, continuously. Why? That's a sign. Of, these are signs of Zozo being like that. You. I wonder why though. Like why the infinity? Because I guess his name is the same front and back. Maybe it kind of looks like Zozo too. Like Zozo kind of looks like Infinity. Kind oh, of. Oh, okay. Kind of. If you get a little abstracty with it, I get it. Maybe. I could see it. Um. Zozo may imitate a loved one. Mm-mm. Those are the worst. Well, that's what I think happened, to Roland. Yeah. Ronald. Well, Harriet, right? He was looking for Harriet. He was looking for Harriet. Yeah. <laughs> that's sad. Um, replying zero when asked how old a spirit is. So if you ask a spirit how old it is and it says zero, it's a sign that you got Zozo. Oh. Yeah. Creepy. Yeah, they say too, um, I don't know if you've ever heard about uh, people that dream when you do lucid dreaming. Uh-huh. If you ask anybody in a lucid dream what the date is, that's how you know you're lucid dreaming because nobody will answer you. Weird. Have you heard about those? Spirits. Have you heard about those lucid dreams where people like ask, like they're like dream people a question and then people become aware of them? Yes. That's what I mean. <clears throat> and that's how like they'll say. Terrifies me. They say that people when people come out of a lucid dream, if you've pissed somebody off in a lucid dream, a spirit in a lucid dream, they can follow you back out because you've outed yourself as a person. Because you're you're living yes. in that. Uh... So don't ever lucid dream and ask people questions. <laughs> oh my God. Um, so a zero. That's yeah, zero. weird. Um, objects moving on their own during a session. <sighs> and shadow figures. Of course. Because, of course. Um, so some say Zozo must still abide by the rules of the Ouija board. It is said that if you make contact with Zogo, Zozo, immediately say goodbye and end the session. Okay. And it closes the door. But if he masked himself as somebody else, how would you even know? Exactly. That's 
why you don't even take the chance. It's just don't do it. Well, that's, 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 <laughs> is that what led to the possession? Is it's posing as something and the communication continues and that's what. And you let it in. Yeah. Because if you immediately are like, you're Zozo and you slam the door in his face, you're good. Oof. You can tell him goodbye and he's got to abide. Oof. But if that it. door's already open and you've been talking to him for three weeks, mm. <laughs> you can just be like, goodbye. Like, oh, I hate that. Yeah. Isn't that nice? Isn't that no. good? So, um, those are like creepy, ooky, spooky ones. Mm-hmm. Now I'm going to like kind of, we're going to talk about the other end of the spectrum. Okay. Do you know who Patience Worth is? No, I don't know any of these people. <laughs> okay, so Pearl Pollard was born February 15th, 1883 in Mound City, Illinois. So shout out to my grandpa because my name was almost Pearl. Really? Yeah. Thank God it wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> it was going to be Bertha Olive Pearl, to be honest. Is that That wild? is a name. It's a family name, He apparently. wanted you to get made fun of. I don't even know what he was thinking, but... <laughs> <laughs> Um, okay, so her family moved around frequently through her childhood. She was a high school dropout, but musically gifted, trained in piano and voice. Okay. She married John Howard Kieran at the age of 24, and the first seven years of their marriage are described as uneventful. Mm-hmm. Sorry, John. This is this story is all about Pearl. That sucks. <laughs> so on July 1912, Pearl Kieran and her friend Emily Grant Hutchings visit a neighbor who owns a Ouija board. <laughs> and during the session are pur- pur- purported to receive a message from a relative of Emily's. Okay. So Emily then purchases a Ouija board of her own and takes it to Pearl's with the intention of continuing communication. So she's like, I'm going to get a Ouija board, but we're going to keep it at your house. And Pearl's like, okay. Smart. Pearl was indifferent to the idea and initially needed coaxing to participate in the initial sessions. Like, she was kind of just like, "Mm, okay, cool. Not me. Yeah, whatever. It's your relative. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So on on June 22nd, 1913, Pearl. My birthday. Yeah. Pearl receives her first communication from a spirit calling themselves Pat-C. So Pat-C. Okay. Okay. Then on July 8th, 1913, the board seemed to come alive and the supposed communications from Patience Worth began. Mm. Many moons ago I lived. Again I come. Patience Worth, my name. Wait, I would speak with thee. If thou shalt live, then so shall I. I make my bread at thy hearth. Good friends, let us be merry. The time for work is past. Let the tabby drowse and blink her wisdom to the fire log. Okay. So she's an old gal. Whoa. <laughs> Patience claimed to live from 1649 to 1694 and lived across the sea. Okay. Right. Patience never specified a town or village in England in which she lived, but investigators have deduced she most likely resided in the rural Dorsetshire, with Mm. her father John and her mother Anne. Hmm. Pearl claimed that patients would often send her pictorial visuals to to convey ideas or images of the life patients once lived. Pearl stated that patients lived in, and this is a quote, green rolling country with gentle slopes, not farmed much, with houses here and there, two or three miles up this country on this road was a small village, Few houses. Sounds beautiful. And described patients as probably about 30 years. Her fair, her hair was dark red mahogany, hmm. her eyes brown and large and deep, her mouth firm and set as though d- repressing strong feelings. Hmm. Her hair had been disarranged by her cap and was in big, glossy, soft waves. Sit- sitting on a horse, holding a bundle tied in a sailcloth, tied with thongs and wearing a coarse cloth cape, brown-gray, with hood like a cowl, peaked. 
The face is in shadow. She is small and her feet are small with coarse square-toed shoes and gray woolen stockings. Pearl also claims to have received visions of the trip patients made from England to America. Patients also claimed to have been killed by Native Americans. Hmm. So by 1919, Pearl claimed she was able to predict what the board would spell out and that oftentimes the, pl- the planchette would move aimlessly about the board. Mm. Pearl describes her use of the Ouija board as such. I am like a child with a magic picture book. Once I look upon it, all I have to do is to watch its pages open before me and revel in their beauty and variety and novelty. When the poems come, there are also appear... There are also appear before my eyes images of each successive symbol as the words are given me. When the stories come, the scenes become panoramic, with the characters moving and acting their parts, even speaking in converse. The picture is not confined to the point narrated, but takes in everything else within the circle of vision at the time. If the people talk a foreign language, as in the sorry tale, I hear the talk, but over and above is the voice of patience, either interpreting or giving me the part she wishes to use as the story. Wow. So together, Pearl and Patience wrote several novels, including Telka, The Sorry Tale, Hope True Blood, The Pot Upon the Wheel, Samuel Wheaton, and Elizabethan Mask, as well as numerous short stories and poems. So she's like a ghostwriter. She's literally a ghostwriter. That's wild. Isn't it crazy? So the Patience Worth case is highly debated with many investigators concluding Patience Worth is just a fictitious character created by Pearl. Okay. Skeptics point out Patience's knowledge base of the Victorian age, which served as the basis of of a novel. However, this era was a good 200 years after Patience had claimed to have died. Scholars Mm. assert that regardless, the work produces of high quality, and one novel, The Sorry Tale, was reviewed as a new classic of world literature at the time of its publication. Wow. So it came out and people are like, this is a classic. Like, this is good. (sighs) If somebody was communicating with me, I hope that they do that because... (laughs) Right? Uh, Keep keep in mind, she was a high school dropout. That's amazing. So, like, this stuff's coming from somewhere. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Patience continues to communicate through Pearl until November 25th, 1937. Okay. According to Pearl, Patience had revealed to her during a prior session that she would soon die. Aww. Pearl told her friend Alexander Bailey Dotsie Smith shortly before her passing, Oh, Dotsie, Patience has just shown me the end of the road and you will have to carry on as best you can. Aww. Although she was... Otherwise in good health, Pearl developed pneumonia and died on December 3rd, 1937. So keep in mind, she got that last communication on November 25th, December 3rd. She died right after. And she was otherwise in good health. She quickly developed pneumonia and died. So in 1927, psychic researcher Walter Franklin Prince published his book, The Case of Patient's Worth. So this is 10 years before she died. So she got to see this. Okay. A 509-page report covering the Patient's Worth case from its beginning in 1913 to about 1927 at the time of the book. 509 pages. Wow. It provides a biographical sketch of Pearl Curran, eyewitness reports, opinions and reviews, poetry of Patient's and Miss Curran, and a slew of other info regarding the time period. So it's just like a really good like case summary of like what happened. Wow. Um, Prince concluded his investigation by stating either our concept of what we call the subconscious must be radically altered so as to include potencies of which we hitherto have had no knowledge or else some cause operating through but not originating in the subconsciousness of miscuring must be acknowledged. So he's either saying there's something in mm-hmm. our subconscious that we just don't understand or something's really speaking through her. 
Wow. Isn't that crazy? Well, like, if that's what you were saying, too, like, you believe, like, it's just what you're tapping into. Yeah. It, we're just, like, antennas. Wow. Isn't that cool? That's the ideal situation, though. Right? Her. Yeah. That's what, if somebody was going to speak to me, please make sure that you're... <laughs> just, like, a chill, like... Yeah, be a writer. Like, pre, I can type. pre-Victorian lady that's just, like... And how did... I love how she said it. Like, she says specifically something where she's, like... Um, if thou shalt live, then so shall I. Wow. Like, all, like, only one of us needs to be alive for my ideas to live on. Because apparently all these, all, like, these literary works And then she's are taking patients. it to the next person, too, because yeah. she said he has to do, like, his best that he can. Mm-hmm. Wow. Isn't that good? So that's why I wanted to, like, end That's a really that nice note, one. Because it's, like, a nice, like... Because so Ouija boards are not always bad. Yeah, I mean, they still are. caveat of, like, we don't know, <laughs> we don't know what we're gonna... Yeah. So then I have a couple a couple honorable mentions. Okay. So I did just like a quick like Google of like Ouija board stories. Mm-hmm. Like Ouija boards going south. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? And mm-hmm. then I, so there's three stories that I like had to investigate. But okay. then as I started to investigate them, I was like, there's no, is there a Ouija board present? It was like, as I did the deep oh, dive, I didn't really find okay. any mention of an actual Ouija board. So the haunting in Connecticut. Mm. In the 1980s, a family moved into a house in Connecticut that they believed to be haunted. They later discovered that the house was previously a funeral home, and they had unknowingly used a Ouija board left behind by the previous tenants. Because mm-hmm, why would you do that? Yeah. So um, this is the this is the story that um, inspired the book and the yep. movie uh, Haunting in Connecticut. Mm-hmm. Um, the Doris Blither haunting. Mm-mm. Bither, excuse me. In the 1970s, a woman named Doris Bither claimed to have experienced poltergeist activity in her home in California. She claimed that the activity began after she used a Ouija board to communicate with spirits. This case was studied by paranormal investigators, including Dr. Barry Taff. While mm-hmm. there is controversy and skepticism surrounding the case, it remains a well-known example of Ouija board-related paranormal claims. Um, again, so the reason that these three are in honorable mentions is because these, like, there's mention, but mm-hmm. there's no actual, like, when I went to go, like, see the succession of events, there was no, well, this is the point where they used a Ouija board. Okay. You know what I mean? So that's why I was just like, hmm. I'm just going to kind of, like, mention these. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, Doris Bither is also, like, and it's a very highly contested case. She's the one who claims to have been held down yeah. and, like, sexually assaulted multiple times. Yeah, I remember um, that. So there's just, like, not... We believe women on this podcast, absolutely. Mm-hmm. But that requires some suspension of disbelief, I feel like. Okay, so honorable mention there. Um, and then the last one that I want to talk about is the Watsika Wonder. Hmm. Uh, in the late 19th century in Watsika, Illinois, a girl named Laurency Venom claimed to have communicated with the spirit of Mary Roth, a deceased girl, through the use of a Ouija board. Okay. Laurency reportedly experienced personality changes and memory lapses that were attributed to this communication. While not a direct case of possession, it is a historical account of Ouija board use and its alleged effects on a person's mental state. Mm-hmm. It's alleged that she would like let Mary Roth's spirit take over her body. Because she, Mary Roth still had, like, living relatives, and her living relatives would then communicate with Mary Roth in Laurency mm. Venom's body, and they were like, that is Mary. They were like, that is, because she would even, like, her she, mannerisms would be different. Wow. She would, she would let Mary walk in her body for up to 15 weeks. See, that is stuff I can't, there's no way. Because uh-uh. where are you in this time? Are you are you are you along for the ride, or did you just agree to let her walk and then fifteen weeks later you wake up like, oh shit, I didn't mean you could have my body for fifteen weeks. Mm-mm. Wow, isn't that crazy? They're lucky she was like a good person though. 
Yeah, and that she was just like, hey, I just, like, really want to, like, you know... See my like, family. Yeah, yeah. and, like, I'm just going to, like, use your body for a little bit. Is that cool? You can have it back. I just read a really good book called my... Well, it's also a movie now, I think, too, but called My Best Friend's Exorcism. Oh, fun. It's a good... That's a really good book, but it's, like, something living inside of her for months. Ugh. Yeah. I don't like that. Me either, but... I expected that to be a lot longer than it was, but... It was good. a good one. That was a good, and it's a part two, so, I mean. And I never, like, I knew the Roland Doe story. Um, I never knew his real name until I started to, like, research it. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't know that it was attributed to Ouija board use. I just thought he got possessed. I think that there's a lot. Like, I think there's a lot of them out there. And that, to me, is why I don't, I could never do it, because there's so many cases. And I wonder if, like, how much is, like, Because, like, in these, like, that's why I wanted to give my disclaimer, kind of, like, just go along for the ride. Mm -hmm. Because, like, it seems, like, on the surface, it seems like they're much more about, like, the the stories are about, like, exorcism and possession. Yeah, yeah. But it's, like, a lot of these stories, like, that's all it is, is a throwaway line of, like, well, they used a Ouija board and this is what happened. That's the portal, yeah. So, you know what I mean? Like, I... And then also in doing the research, I was like, well, what was I hoping to find? Like, you know what I mean? Like, a drawn-out account of, like... (laughs) You know what I mean? A Ouija board that keeps talking to people. Yeah, and, like, you know what I mean? Like, uh, and, like, hours-long session of, like, shit being flown around the room. Like, there's only so many times I can say, like, and then this happened. And then this happened. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. I could never. And then the fact that they were, like, two, like, really prolific cases where I was like, oh. Mm Mm-hmm. Due to Ouija board use, relevancy. Mm-hmm. And then I knew about the Patience Worth one for, like, a while. And I, I like, like the, I mean, I like that there is good and bad in everything, obviously. But you just have to be strong enough to make sure that it's not. Well, well, like, or like, how to like deal everything. with the bad. Nothing is black and white, mm-hmm. right? Everything. So you're going to have, you're going to have these good and the, these bad stories. That's why I also didn't want to just do, like, those two, like, oh, well, here are these two people getting possessed by Ouija boards and that's what's going to happen when you use a Ouija board. Like, Basically. No, you could become a really prolific writer. <laughs> I don't think people want that. <laughs> I don't think people want that no, that badly. No, I mean, it's a way to go about it, though. That's scary. Isn't that crazy? I mean, it worked out for Pearl. One person. You don't know. True, but I'm saying, like, you don't hear about a lot of... Wouldn't, wouldn't it be wild if, like, Stephen King, right? His whole life... That's what I'm saying. How and do you know? You we don't know, know that John Grisham doesn't have a like a Ouija board collection in his basement. True. Maybe they're channeling stories. And from I wouldn't. Demons. I wouldn't. I wouldn't offer that information. Like, I'm not the because ultimately at the end of the day, I'm not the one writing. So I wouldn't offer that information up freely. That these ideas are not coming from me. <laughs> I wonder how the name Ghostwriter came around. I don't know. Maybe I'm gonna have does, to look that maybe up. Maybe it does come from like automatic writing. Seriously. I just wonder now I, that. Maybe, no. I don't know. I'm going to have to look it up because that's going to make me wonder now. Find out next week on Semi-Charm Kind of Pod. <laughs> I want to actually look that up because that's probably a really good one. I think it's just like I'm standing in because I mean, I think it comes from like I'm writing this for you. Or I'm like making up a persona for you to write under. I think that's what it comes from. Probably. Uh, but I just wonder. Because that's what they thought. Why they was said at first. ghost. But I just wonder the name of like. Why didn't they call it an understudy? Because sometimes you, make up, sometimes you make up a name. True, and but... And you write under that name. So no, that no, no, I know exist. what it is. But I know what it is, but I wonder why they say 
ghost instead of not real person writer or like understudy writer or Mm, just something mm, different fake writer not real writer seriously mystery writer maybe did you ever watch ghost writer i loved ghost writer i loved that show the little yeah and it was just like it's my favorite right there was a mysteries right yes and then they people would every Damn time those kids opened a notebook and wrote with that pen. I wanted that so bad. Yeah. Because they would take, like, notes, and it was, like, the crispiest, yeah. like... <laughs> there was a TikTok yeah. filter recently that was, like, what 90s show were you? Or whatever, and I was Ghost Rider. I thought that was the best thing ever. <laughs> I watched it on Noggin. What was yeah, it? yeah, yeah. Is yeah. that what it was on? What well, was for me, it was PBS at the okay, time. Okay, so that's what it originally was. Yeah. Okay, 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 okay. I loved that show. That was a good show. That, and there was a well, Carmen San Diego used to watch that Carmen all San the time, Diego. too. What was the dog one? Shiloh. No. No? No. It was a little Jack um, Russell Terrier. No, I know who you're talking about. Wasn't it Shiloh? I don't know. It doesn't, that doesn't sound right to me, but it, you you might be right. I'm pretty sure it was. Shiloh. What did he do? Solve mysteries? Yeah. Yeah. I remember that vaguely. Well, no, he didn't solve mysteries. He did, um, he was like a stand-in. So they would do like Robin Hood and then like Shiloh Oh, would yeah, do Robin yeah, yeah. Hood. He had costumes and all kinds of stuff. Yeah. You're right. Yep. Shout out those kids. I wonder what they're doing with their lives. It. I used to love Ghost Rider. No, Shiloh was the, the movie. Who was the... I don't know. Who was the... It doesn't sound right, but... 90s dog shows. <laughs> We're going to have to edit this out. <laughs> yeah. Oh my god, I can see him in my head. Wishbone. 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 People are listening to this podcast right now like, put some respect on Wishbone's fucking They're probably name. like, Wishbone, some... Wishbone. Literally. I do that all the time. Um, he talked about classic literature. That's what it was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and he would be like the stand-in. Because I remember the prince, yep. the, the princess and the pauper one, where he's the, both Aww, the prince and the pauper. That's so cute. Yeah. I used to love that. Well, that was a really good episode. Shiloh was the same type of dog, though, I will say that. I don't remember Shiloh. It was a movie. Oh, okay. Oh, movie. oh, I do remember that. I do. Yeah. What? Mm. Mm, I couldn't tell you what happens in it. He rescues somebody, I'm sure. Let me guess the dog He goes missing or... Yeah, he probably dies. The dog dies at the end. Oh, my God. Do you know about that? What? There's a website called uh, Does the Dog Die at the End? Or, like, DoesTheDogDie.com. I think it's just DoesTheDogDie.com. No, listen. It's a great... No, you would love it. Okay. So you go into it. You put any... It's literally just a website. There's just, like, Shiloh's a beagle, by the way. Not a Jack Russell Terrier. Oh. They look the same. They Um, don't. (laughs) (laughs) Um, It's just a text website. You go to it and you put in any any media, like a TV show, movie, like anything. And it'll tell you, like, yes or no, whether the dog dies. So so you don't get sad if you don't want to be. Yeah. Okay, that's cute. I do like that. And they'll even give you, like, well, this was a little gray area. Like, the dog doesn't die, but there's a part where your dog gets kicked. Shiloh was abused. Oh, is that and he kept about? running away to the little boy's house. Mm, yeah, that is what it's about. It is. We're gonna have to watch that. I can't. You'll cry. That one, Fox and the Hound, Homeward Bound, all those. Fox and like... the Hound has my heart. We heard the theme song to Fox and the Hound the other day, and Andre was like, "What do you What do you mean?" I was like, "You have never I seen." The I couldn't Fox watch it as a kid. Hound. Like it's I've seen. Sad. I, I watched it all the time, but it was mm. one of those like it would make it would affect me. Yeah, like it, it is made me really, really sad. sad. It is sad. And it was one of those, like, why did I watch this as a kid? Like, 
spinoff of just what we're talking about right now, Disney bounding. You know what that is, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, when people go to, mm-hmm. yeah. And you can only Disney bound as an adult, like a true Disney bound. You can only, during Oogie Boogie's Halloween bash, you what? can only do it because they don't allow adults in the park dressed up because it's confusing for children. Oh, yeah, They're yeah, yeah. only allowed to do it during Halloween. I just saw the best Disney bound ever of all the dead parents in movies. <gasps> I saw that one. Oh I saw God. that one where, like, the guy was Simba. Yeah. And yep. the girl was Mufasi. Bambi's mom. Yep. Yeah. Yes. Oh, my God. That's funny. That was hilarious. The one yeah. that was, like, Tarzan's dad. Like, yep. that mall. Yeah, that was hilarious. That was, <laughs> that was so funny. Yeah, I love that one. Oh, man. Because um, then the, the, the creator that did it she was um nemo's mom yep yeah that was good that was see we ended on such a good note that was a good (laughs) note like subscribe leave a comment yes i'm gonna put um lots of stuff in the show notes too for the last both episodes um so that because there's a lot of things that we talked about a lot of books that we talked about too yeah oh yeah i guess i have stuff i could put in we can put the infernal dictionary yeah yeah Yep. It'll be in the show notes. Well, thanks, guys. Thanks for listening. We See you next week. Bye. Be careful out there. Bye. Keep it cryptid. A semi-charmed kind of podcast is hosted by Ashley Williams and Kyle Yugis. Music credits by Chauncey Fortune and art by Decay Decor. Keep listening and keep it cryptid. Still live without you